Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Chart Please podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Ash. I'm a professional astrologer. I'm a lifestyle writer at Glam. I'm a cancer son and a public menace at times. Um, if you're coming back from last week's episode, I appreciate you being here. Welcome back. This, as you guys know, is my Mars retrograde, Mars and Gemini transit Um passion project. This is keeping me sane right now. I have an 11th house Gemini moon and a lot of opinions to share apparently. So this is what I'm doing to prevent myself from letting the boredom swallow me whole. Uh, Before we get into this week's episode, we're going to do, you know, astrological weather forecast and the culture scope corner where we're going to talk about pop culture. I want to introduce a new segment of the podcast. Okay, let's talk about the astrology of the week. That freaking eclipse last night. Final eclipse of 2022. So like, please take a breath and a sigh of relief. Congratulate yourself. We fucking made it. Um, This eclipse cycle has been a doozy and not just because I myself have my North and South node in Scorpio and Taurus. So like I'm getting my ass kicked, but anytime we've got major transits with the fixed signs, especially signs like Taurus, which represent our personal values, where our roots really sink in in life. It's also our financial values, which often go hand in hand. You know, you need to have resources to build the sort of life you want. Um, And then Scorpio, a sign of transformation, death, relying on other people. That's hard. Ugh. So anyone with major Taurus and Scorpio energy and anywhere those placements fall in your chart just feels like it has been getting beat around this year. There will be a few more eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio in 2023, but we're done for this calendar year. So no more eclipses, none in the holidays. You will be able to ride it out till New Year's Eve without any more eclipse drama, which is so nice. So obviously one of the reasons this particular eclipse was so heavy is because it was the ending cycle of the 2022 eclipses. It was also linked to the eclipse we had in October. So it's kind of the second half of the coin that you saw during that other eclipse that happened in the sign of Taurus. But another reason this eclipse was just so gnarly, for lack of a better word, is the sun opposition Uranus that was occurring during it. That energy is carrying into today and will linger for a bit. There's a reason we call it an eclipse season. And if I could give any sort of recommendation about learning astrology, try to think of astrology as an energy and less about a specific date, a specific time, or something starts and ends. You know, these transits will hit like their peak aspecting at maybe a certain time or a certain day, or the full moon will be its fullest or brightest or clearest at a certain time, a certain day. But there's always the energy of the lead up and there's always the energy of the lead off. So sun opposition Uranus, this is the ego. This is the heart desire. This is how we see ourselves truly at the core of the essence of who we are. Opposition Uranus, the rebel, the change maker, the planet that comes in and shakes things up. This is a moment of confronting what's in the mirror, confronting the ego, maybe even looking in the mirror and not even realizing, 
oh, this is the problem I was dealing with. Eclipses have a tendency to be very chaotic. They're very difficult to predict how they will translate. We can show you where in your chart or what area of life or what aspects might be activated, but because of their unpredictable nature and specifically because of the Uranus energy with this eclipse, there's truly no telling how it will play out until it has played out. It's not always the answer people want to hear, but with some aspects, it's much more clear cut what the energy means. And then sometimes you get a retrograde timed with a full moon eclipse timed with a crazy ass. So it sometimes you just have to sit back and let the cards fall where they may. And that's kind of what this time is. And that really ties into Mars retrograde. We've been talking about not speaking too much what's on your mind, speaking bluntly, I should say more. Never, never not speak what's on your mind. Just always understand that like, people might be obstinate and shitty about it. And that's kind of the Mars retrograde theme. It's like, choose your battles. And along with that is find somewhere else for your energy. A lot of people are picking fights and getting snippy and getting frustrated because they feel stuck. Mars in Gemini has this crazy all over the place energy. And Mars really likes being in focused signs like Aries or Scorpio. So when it goes retrograde, it's like a pinball machine that just is rattling around. You have no idea when it's going to stop, what's going to happen. Sometimes the responsible thing to do is let things play out, take a risk, and detach from the outcome. Focus on exploring, doing the little things, chipping away, planning, Um, If you've been dreaming about a big change, there's a chance that this is the planning phase before the change gets made. So I don't know. It's hard to say for certain. Again, eclipses are hard to predict. And if unless I'm reading your birth chart, unless it's in front of me, I can't tell you exactly what to do. But I can say it will not hurt to pause right now. It will not hurt you to take some time to step back and reconsider. It will definitely not hurt you to be skeptical and critical. Um, And if you feel like something just sounds too good to be true, or it just doesn't feel quite how it needs to, that doesn't mean don't go for it. It just means temper your expectations. Maybe you do it, maybe you hate it, maybe it's an experience or a funny story you tell at a party. But learning to ride these astrological seasons and understand that For the rest of 2022, we're not so much about accomplishing so much as exploring or resting, depending on how your birth chart is being activated. So keep that in mind as you're just looking at the astrology of the rest of the year and you yourself are planning on what you want to do leading up to the new year, leading up to this time where everyone sets resolutions and like cut yourself some slack. Okay, now that we're done talking about the larger astrological transits, the kind of lingering influence that is impacting just the overall theme right now. Let's get into the nitty gritty. This is your weekly astrology forecast. So from November 7th to the 13th, take a little look-see at what is going on. So on Monday, we had Venus square Saturn, which brings a bit of tension to our romantic lives. This really is about 
how we're feeling about things, what we're passionate about, squaring off against the planet of restriction, of um, change. For those of you, especially in your Saturn return, Saturn is going to exit Aquarius next year in March of 2023, but we're grinding through the tail end. So any of these major Saturn aspects for people with Saturn and Aquarius, it's just going to suck a little bit more. We're almost there though. Venus square Saturn, it's very likely you'll have a bit of a tiff, a bit of a, a falling out, a bit of a conversation with loved ones, a bit of a disagreement. Nothing to be too worried about though because some of the astrology later in the week offers a chance for a bit of reconciliation so long as everyone is willing to act like an adult. So this was Monday's energy, started the week this way. Love that for us. And then yesterday on Tuesday, we had the lunar eclipse in Taurus. We have already spoken so much about this lunar eclipse in this podcast on my TikTok about how it's the final one of the year, it's closing things out. But you can expect any major transits, again, like I've mentioned with Taurus or Scorpio, to just feel heavy. And then it's like, we just had daylight savings. It's cold as shit. It's dark at 4.30 and you're going to have an eclipse in Taurus. I hate this. Um, that's just a personal opinion. <laughs> we can take a really deep breath knowing that there are no more eclipses for the year. So we love that. However, we're going to have that sun opposition Uranus coming into Wednesday today. So when the sun, the ego, the heart's desire, who we are, how we see ourselves opposes Uranus, the rebel and the change maker, it's time to look in the fucking mirror. It's time to figure out what needs to stop? What am I doing to myself? How am I trapping myself in this rat race? What am I doing that is literally a performance for other people? And why am I still doing it? And why am I still doing it? Great day to journal. Excellent day to get things out, not just because of the eclipse yesterday and not just because of the sun opposition Uranus, but if you're an astro girly who likes to plan your week with the planets, Wednesday is indeed ruled by Mercury. So it's a good day to, of course, get things done, schedule meetings, but it's a great day for journaling. So take advantage of this today. When you get home from work, when you find a break at lunch, on your train ride home in your notes app, talking to yourself in the car, just talk through it. Just literally journal it out, talk through it. You will be so shocked. The nuggets of wisdom that are locked in your own brain. If you'll just sit with a 10 minute timer and free journal and just literally write whatever comes to mind. Great day to do that. So Thursday is going to have a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of tough energy and some pleasant energy that should hopefully help you strike a good balance. So again, on Monday, Venus was square Saturn, putting the pressure on how you feel, those innate passionate feelings that you have very little control over. They just kind of bubble to the surface when they do. You had trouble understanding how you feel or where you need to move forward with these romantic relationships, these intimate connections. On Thursday, Mercury is square Saturn. So you're having a hard time communicating those feelings that have been coming up since Monday, since the eclipse. Mercury square Saturn is asking you to be very careful with your words. Be very careful with 
how you approach difficult conversations. Not saying don't have them. You can't avoid you can't avoid life <laughs> because the stars have aligned in a certain way. What you can understand is that Mercury square Saturn means that tough conversations will be tougher. People might be a bit more defensive and you can navigate that by controlling how you approach the conversation, how you communicate what you're thinking and feeling and setting those boundaries as well. Okay. Mercury square Saturn might also suggest someone might try to convince you to move the goalposts or to accommodate a boundary or to shift a boundary. And although it's tough to stand up for yourself, you have to say, no, this is what I deserve and I'm not doing that. So eat that. <laughs> and that's exactly how you should say it too. Say, eat that. And then do like the 90s walk away, talk to the hand. That'll crush for sure. Um, people will think you're very cool. Take my word for it. <laughs> um, the good news though, is that on the same day, Venus will be trying Neptune. And while Venus trying Neptune does have a bit of a reputation for rose-colored glasses and seeing past the problem, we don't really have to worry about that so much because we did our journaling on, on Wednesday. That's right. We did our journaling on Wednesday. We know how we feel. We know the boundaries we want. And so instead, we're going to use this Venus trying Neptune energy for its more pleasant manifestation, which is leaning into compassion, giving people the benefit of the doubt communicating with people respectfully and being optimistic that not everyone is out to get you and that some people might be clumsy with their words, but their actions show you they care and learning how to shift our perspective from how am I getting out of this relationship? What am I getting? What am I okay to, is this something I want to do with this person? How are we working together? Is this a future I want for us? Thinking about how that looks down the line. Does it make you feel happy? Does it make you feel optimistic? Are you excited about that possibility? And if the answer isn't hell fucking yeah, or I'm loving what is going on right now, this might be a time to consider ending these kind of runaround cycles with these people and these relationships that really aren't going anywhere. And then on Friday, get ready for a depressed and stressed night in. The sun is square Saturn. This week has had so many squares to Saturn. Venus on Monday, Mercury on Thursday. Now the sun. It is okay to not go out tonight, to not go party, to skip that whatever dinner you agreed to. Take a beat. Take a breath. This week sucked. And it is okay to relax. And this is the day to do it, okay? Friday is usually a great day to go out and do something fun and saucy and romantic. But with the sun, again, the planet of ego, your energy, how you see yourself, how you're feeling, squaring Saturn, that tough authoritative placement, you're just going to want to crawl under the covers and binge watch Netflix. And that's fine. Please do that. You'll really want to do that. Because Saturday has a very pleasant energy. Mercury will be trying Neptune, plan of communication, feeling a little more dreamy, a little more optimistic. Okay, you've allowed yourself to feel sorry for yourself. You've processed the eclipse. 
you've processed this week, feeling a little more upbeat. Lean into that energy. We've talked about how there will be a lot of Jupiter energy throughout Sagittarius season. We're feeling more optimistic. So we're kind of, you know, gearing up towards the sun will come out tomorrow energy. Allow yourself the chance on Friday to literally wallow and just feel bad for yourself. You know that scene in Legally Blonde where she's like eating bonbons in bed? Do that. Literally do that. And then on Saturday, get up, write down the three things that have been stressing you out that you need to get done. Do the big, ugly one first. Do the other two at any point during the week, weekend, at any point during the weekend. But start your Saturday making a list, getting some stuff done, restarting your energy. And then if you're feeling up to it, this is another good day to journal. But this is less of a put your soul on the table. How am I the problem? It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. Less of that and more, okay, how do I want to fix that? Do I want to get back into a routine? Do I want to get back in touch with old friends? Do I actually want to finally redo the house? Do I want to finally like adopt that, that shelter dog I've been thinking about? What do I want to do to be the person I want to be? Make that aspirational list. Make that list of achievable goals that you can set for yourself in the day-to-day, the little wins. I actually saw a therapist on TikTok, of course I can't find the video now, referred to these moments as the glimmers in life. So these are like the opposite of things that make you feel triggered. These are the little things that remind you why you love being alive and why you love who you are. So look for the little ways that you can add glimmers to your day-to-day, your weekly schedule. What do you want to start doing monthly? How much money do you want to save monthly to work towards a savings goal? Um, what's a hobby you want to be better at in three months? Think small, think big, and just put it on paper. You don't have to do any of it. You can do all of it. You can do one thing, but having it on paper having it tangible, having it somewhere you can put in front of you. That's the first step. First step towards shifting your focus to this new way of thinking and this new way of wanting to do things. You do not have to tackle everything at once. And just doing a little bit every day will totally shift your energy, your mindset, and just how you feel about waking up and getting things done. And then on Sunday, we've got Venus sextile Pluto. This is actually a really good day to experiment with your look, your aesthetic, um, what you indulge in. When Venus is sextile Pluto, we really feel empowered to transform ourselves. And this is also a good time to tap into the people, the hobbies, the situations and environments that really help us feel connected to ourselves. Part of transformation is breaking yourself down to the core of who you are. The core of who you are, your roots and your values, Taurus, Scorpio, what have I been telling you guys? Those should always stay the same. What you put around it, how you enrich your life, the people you invite into your life, that might change. Your career might change. Where you live. Type of music you listen to. But the core of who you are, when you break it all down, that should always be evolving in some sort of deeper root structure. You should just get more 
confident in your convictions and more confident in who you are and what you believe in. And that is what you build that transformative energy on. So Venus sextile Pluto, anytime Pluto gets involved, people freak, but I don't know, maybe it's my 12th house sun. I'm used to things just going off the wall. So anytime Pluto comes around, I'm like, cool, what are we doing? Am I cutting my hair off? Am I getting another piercing? Am I going to break down in therapy? What's the deal? So Venus exile Pluto, this is a good day to self-care, pamper yourself, do something for yourself, or go out with friends, hang out with people you care about that you are you know are reliable, that you know you'll have a good time with, and just kind of reflect today. Give yourself a lot of time and space to reflect and really think about all the shit that happened. This was a really big astrological week, a lot of big stuff happening. So it's okay to have a lazy Friday night and a lazy Sunday. Okay, so now we're on to culture scopes. This is your weekly pop culture and pop astrology update where I talk about all the tea of what's going on online. We're going to start with Selena Gomez because she's having some major moments professionally, personally, and of course, wouldn't be Mars retrograde and the final eclipse of 2022 without a little interpersonal drama for the entire world to see. So Selena released her documentary, My Mind and Me, on Apple TV on November 4th. Selena Gomez, former Disney star, singer, been in the public eye since she was very young, and the documentary is about her health, her physical health with her battle with lupus, her mental health of getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and really gives a look into the last six years of her life. This has been a long time, a long time in the making. The documentary is being very well received by critics, by mental health advocates. Gomez herself is a mental health advocate, so it's a very refreshing look, very honest and real look at mental health. But of course, after the release, a bit of drama got stirred up between herself and Francia Reza, who is an actress from Secret Life of an American Teenager. She also donated a kidney to Gomez in 2017, I believe. So that's who is at play here. In the PR cycle after the documentary, some quotes from the documentary came out of Selena saying that she never fit in with the cool group of girls that were the celebrities. And the only friend she has in the industry is Taylor Swift. And Francia commented on the Instagram post, interesting, and then unfollowed Selena Gomez on Instagram. So Gomez still follows her back, but a bit of drama from not only a longtime friend of Selena's, but her kidney donor. So that complicates things. And it's happening in a very public online way. Um, And of course, this was not necessarily helped when Selena commented on a TikTok video explaining the drama and said, quote, well, sorry, I didn't mention every person I know. A lot of people assumed when she said this, that she was talking about the music industry because Taylor and Selena are both pop girlies. They both ran in the same stan culture pop circles back in like 2015 and a lot of people assumed she was talking about the music 
industry. Of course, um, we can't know everything that goes on behind closed doors. We can, however, look at someone's birth chart. So a few things happening with Selena's chart that I want to point out. The first is that Selena has her son in Cancer in 29 degrees. It's a critical degree, the end of a sign's energy in the 12th house. So Selena is a 12th house sun. And because her ascendant is in Leo and it is conjunct her Chiron in Leo, that makes her 12th house sun her chart ruler. Selena is very private. She's a very private person. The fact that she filmed the documentary over six years of her life, watched it back, and then said, I am going to put this out there as someone with a 12th house son in cancer, that shocks me because I could never give people that intimate a look into so much time in my life. I would literally, it's like, it would feel like being naked for everyone to see. So I commend her greatly for getting over what I know is probably a big mental hurdle of, is this too vulnerable? Will this change how people think about me forever? And sharing her story, because I think she takes her mental health and her mental health advocacy very seriously. And I think that knowing how much good this documentary would do for bipolar representation and under people understanding bipolar disorder more, I believe that that outweighed the potential worry she had, which is why she followed through. Um, however, that's only part of the equation. What I actually want to talk about is the T-square in her chart that has her Pluto in Scorpio, her Saturn in Aquarius, and her Mercury in Leo. So a T-square happens when two planets oppose each other, and then both of those planets form a square aspect to a third planet that sits at the apex. It looks like a giant triangle in your birth chart. Um, in her T-square, she has her Mercury in Leo, her Pluto in Scorpio, and her Saturn in Aquarius. Talked about how Selena is done with her Saturn return because we're past 16 degrees Aquarius, but everyone with Saturn in Aquarius is still feeling this energy until March 2023 when Saturn leaves Aquarius. So her Saturn opposes her Mercury. So throughout her life, she has felt as though communicating her point of view, particularly in her long-term relationships, is difficult for her. She has a lot of first house Leo, but her son is in the 12th house. And so she seems like this vibrant, outgoing, fun-loving, warm, bubbly person. And she is, but she has times where that is not who she is, both astrologically and of course, as she said in her own words. And she finds it is hard for people to empathize with her when she's not the fun, bubbly, upbeat Selena everyone loves. This is an activation that happens in her birth chart all the time. These are natal placements. Both of those square her Pluto in Scorpio in the fourth house, which is indicative of tough toughness in a home life, a toughness being vulnerable. It's hard to be vulnerable with people. It's hard to really show them who you are. It's hard to feel safe because to feel safe would be to truly show someone everything that you are and who you are, especially in the sign of Scorpio. And that is something that can be deeply transformative as Pluto is, but it could also be very destructive. And so people with this placement tend to guard themselves very, very closely. And in fact, the closer you get to them interpersonally, the more it can feel like a mystery sometimes. 
So this T-square got activated during the eclipse because the Scorpio placement in her fourth house is at the T-square. So she is feeling like there's this reckoning with, I've always had to be very careful with how I say, what I say, and when I say it. Why can't I just say what I want to say and let it be what it is? She's struggling with this expression, feeling like she's disappointing people if she expresses herself the wrong way. And all of this coinciding with the eclipses, with her Taurus midheaven, which rules her public image and her persona, how people see her, with her Mars and Taurus in the 10th house, which is that fiery, passionate, what I fight for, she's not going to be all sunshine and roses right now. This is a documentary about her mental health. This is a very personal journey for her. And I think she's fed up with people trying to make it about themselves. That's the perception I'm getting. Now, is there an opportunity for like a private conversation between friends to be had? Absolutely. But I think especially with her Taurus placements in the mid, like in her midheaven, in her Mars, this public fight regarding this very personal, deep emotional issue, like it's lining up pretty, pretty neatly. It's an opposition that's really giving this push and pull along with that T-square that's getting activated. So a lot of activity in Selena's chart during this eclipse, especially considering Aquarius and Leo placements, because they are also fixed signs, are also feeling the pressure. So the majority of her chart other than um, her Jupiter and Virgo and some of her outer planet placements, they are all fixed placements. So I think Selena will be fine. I think this is a bump in the road, the storm to weather. Um, I think this documentary will do a lot of good, both teaching us more about Selena as a human, as a person away from the celebrity, but also in the space of mental health as we kind of have these conversations um, with people we know and with, you know, the celebrities we engage with. Okay, let's talk about Drake. Let's talk about her loss. Let's talk about the album. Let's talk about all the stuff involved. So, drop the album. It's okay. The music's fine. The drama surrounding this album is absolutely batshit insane. Um, from him accusing Meg the Stallion of lying about being shot to dissing his ex, Serena, and dogging on her very lovely family <laughs> to Kanye, to Ice Spice, everyone, everyone and their mother. Um, it's been going over kind of meh. Some people really like the music. Some people are like, why does Drake keep making the same corny album? Why can't Drake stop talking about exes that he fucked up with years ago? And just an aside, I think it's so funny that Taylor Swift gets accused of only writing songs about exes. But Drake's whole game is literally, I treated you like shit. And then you left. And so now I'm going to go love bomb some other chick to show you that you missed out okay, whatever. So there's all that rap beef. Serena Williams' husband going on Twitter saying, I am a groupie for my wife and my kid because I'm a real man and you're a sad, lonely guy who can't be happy that other people have moved on. Can't like use all your fame and wealth and success to like find happiness. Drake, you can't do that. Okay. Meg straight up was like, stop fucking talking about me or I'll give you something to talk about. Good for her. Don't fuck with Meg. And also, I just think it's so insane that these dudes 
just keep using her name for clout. Keep denying the fact that she was shot. It's insane. Um, Drake and 21 Savage are also being sued over a fake Vogue cover that they used to promote the album. So there's just a lot. There's a lot going on with this album. Um, and it has a lot to do with Drake's chart. It has a lot to do with the eclipses. His sun is in Scorpio. His Mercury's in Scorpio. His Venus is in Scorpio. His Pluto's in Scorpio. His Midheaven's in Taurus. And his Venus opposes his Midheaven. So we talked last week about how the Venus energy around the release of Midnight's for Taylor Swift was very favorable for her chart. It gave people a very open mind to how she communicates and rolls out new music, a new sound, a new genre. People are very open to it. This Venus and Mercury opposition midheaven in Taurus and Scorpio and Drake's chart means that people were not in the mood to hear from him right now. <laughs> this was probably not a good time to release an album for him. Um, especially an album where he's doing the same shit, he's dropping the same disses, he keeps talking about the same exes, there's nothing new about it, there's nothing revolutionary about it, there's nothing exciting about it. It sounds like a Drake album, and it has all the same corny crap a Drake album has. So whereas this Eclipse and this Venus Kazemi energy and all these other transits were very favorable for artists that were releasing new or unusual music, or like stuff that's out of their normal sphere. Stuff like this, where it just sounds like Drake 2015, Drake 2019. It could be any era of Drake. It's just him rapping about how everyone who has ever dated him has missed out. It's not landing well. It's not acting favorably for him. And, you know, I keep talking about how Taurus and Scorpio are about finances as well as romantic drama. And he is being sued for the fake Vogue cover. So his money's up in a bundle now too. This is from Forbes 18 hours ago. So keep an eye on the Drake getting sued space <laughs> in regard to this album and the rollout. And last but not least for our culture scope this week is Haley Williams, the lead singer of Paramore. Nothing really happened in the news so much as she's just having a renaissance. So let's talk about the overview of Haley's birth chart. Lead singer of Paramore, she has been making music since she was 14 years old. She's now 33. She has a lot of Capricorn energy, which I think explains why she's coming into this second, um, second wave of her career, this kind of reappreciation of all the work she's done leading up to this. We've always said Capricorns age like fine wine. And Haley is now really living life outside of her Saturn return. Before Saturn was in Aquarius, it was in Capricorn. And Haley has her Saturn in Capricorn conjunct her sun in Capricorn, along with her Mercury, her Uranus, and her Neptune also falling in the sign of Capricorn. A lot of personal development, a lot of growing up, a lot of rethinking what does the longevity of my career look like? What do I want to be doing? Where do I want to be going? A lot of introspection for Haley during those years. As Saturn has been in Aquarius, not necessarily putting the pressure so directly on her birth chart, but still in a sign 
that feels very grounded in Saturn energy. So even people with a lot of Capricorn placements are feeling the pinch of Saturn being in another Saturn ruled sign in Aquarius. But she's coming off the tail end of all of this heavy, heavy Saturn energy as Saturn looks to move into Pisces into 2023. She's also in a really good year astrologically if we look at the concept of perfection years, which basically says every year of your life aligns with a certain place, a certain house in your birth chart that'll show you a major theme. Even though we don't know what her houses break down to, we do know that at age 33, you're having a 10th house perfection year. This has to do with your public image, your career, your highest aspirations. So we don't know which of Haley's planets fall within her 10th house, but we do know she is having a 10th house renaissance right now. This is an age of her really reestablishing herself. And with all of this Capricorn energy in general, finally feeling alleviated and feeling more mature and prepared post-Saturn return, it does not surprise me that Paramore is being talked about again. I would not be surprised if Haley herself starts doing maybe some more solo work, maybe kind of branching out, doing her thing. I think we're going to see a lot from her in the next year, especially because after the 10th house perfection year, this is the 11th house. This is how you connect to your peers, humanity, how you really find your place among everyone else. And so I think we're going to have a really groovy two years for Haley Williams. I think we're going to get some good music, but I also just think that she is going to shine a lot more than she already does. I mean, she has a Leo moon, for God's sake. She's shining so bright all the time, but I just really think that we're going to get some really, really cool, thought-provoking, and honestly, I think a bit of nostalgic art from her as she looks back at her almost 20 years in the music industry um, coming up pretty soon. So very excited for her. I'm very interested to see what happens with her transits coming up. I would love your birth time, Haley. I promise I'm not going to steal your identity. People think that sometimes when I'm like, oh, if you get your birth certificate, your birth time might be on there. People are like, are you trying to open a credit card in my name? And it's like, no, I don't even want to spend the money I have on my own credit card. Like, don't. I have Virgo on my second house, so I'm kind of a worrywart with money. <laughs> okay, enough, enough of the blabbering. So that is your culture scope for this week. Uh, just a heads up, if you guys are interested in hearing about something, feel free to message me on Twitter, get in my comments on TikTok, let me know. Uh, I pull these culture scopes just based on what I see happening, but if something really speaks to you and you want me to talk about it astrologically, let me know. This is a podcast for all of us. So I want to share, I want to share that back and forth with you guys. All right. And that is the end of the podcast episode two in the books. If you're still here, if you're still listening, thank you so much. I appreciate having you guys. This episode was really long. Um, let me know what you guys think. Kind of experimenting with the format, experimenting with the amount of time I'm talking, the amount of depth I go into. Let me know if you hated that saucy little music intro at the beginning of the podcast. And if you guys have anything you want me to talk about astrologically or in the culture scopes for the week, feel free to drop into my comments on TikTok, DM me on Twitter. Um, let me know and let me know what you guys want to hear about next week. So until next time, thanks for joining in stargazers. See you next week.